Hello, this is Claudia Opper. Welcome back to Audio Law, the law podcast for busy people, brought to you by Illustrated Law. Today, we'll be discussing how the mental state of a defendant could affect the defendant's liability. This specific case is McGuire v. Almy, 297 Massachusetts 323, from the year 1937. And in this case, we'll specifically see how an assault and battery charge will be handed down, considering that the defendant is formally considered to be insane. With that, let's go ahead and dig into the facts of the case. In August 1930, the plaintiff, McGuire, was employed to take care of the defendant. The plaintiff was a registered nurse and was a graduate of a training school for nurses. The defendant, Almy, was an insane person. Before the plaintiff was hired, she learned that the defendant was a, quote, mental case and was in good physical condition, unquote and that for some time, two nurses have been taking care of her. The plaintiff was on 24-hour duty. The plaintiff slept in the room next to the defendant's room. Except when the plaintiff was with the defendant, the plaintiff kept the defendant locked in the defendant's room. There was a wire grating over the outside of the window of that room. During the period of, quote, 14 months or so, unquote, while the plaintiff cared for the defendant, the defendant, quote, had a few odd spells, unquote, when she showed some hostility to the plaintiff and said that, quote, she would like to try and do something to her, unquote. The defendant had been violent at times and had broken dishes, quote, and things like that, unquote. And on one or two occasions, the plaintiff had to have help to subdue the defendant. On April 19, 1932, the defendant, while locked in her room, had a violent attack. The plaintiff heard a crashing of furniture and then knew that the defendant was ugly, violent, and dangerous. The defendant told the plaintiff and a Ms. Maroney, the maid, who was with the plaintiff in the adjoining room, that if they came into the defendant's room, she would kill them. The plaintiff and Miss Maroney looked into the defendant's room, quote, saw what the defendant had done, and thought it best to take the broken stuff away before she did any harm to herself with it, unquote. They sent for one Emerton, the defendant's brother-in-law, When he arrived, the defendant was in the middle of her room, about ten feet from the door, holding upraised the leg of a low boy, as if she were going to strike. And just to interject here, a low boy is a piece of furniture, so the defendant, McGee, had this leg of furniture in her hand. Continuing on, the plaintiff stepped into the room and walked toward the defendant, while Emerton and Ms. Maroney remained in the doorway. As the plaintiff approached the defendant and tried to take hold of the defendant's hand, which held the leg, the defendant struck the plaintiff's head with it, causing the injuries for which the action was brought. 
The question of this case is as follows. Whether the judge should have directed a verdict for the defendant. Let's keep going with the reasoning. Were an insane person by his act does intentional damage to the person or property of another, he is liable for that damage in the same circumstances in which a normal person would be liable. This means that insofar as a particular intent would be necessary in order to render a normal person liable, the insane person, in order to be liable, must have been capable of entertaining the same intent and must have entertained it, in fact. But the law will not inquire further into his peculiar mental condition with a view to excusing him if it should appear that delusion or other consequence of his affliction has caused him to entertain that intent, or that a normal person would not have entertained it. Although the plaintiff knew when she was employed that the defendant was a mental case, and despite some show of hostility and some violent and unruly conduct, there was no evidence of any previous attack or even of any serious threat against anyone. The plaintiff had taken care of the defendant for, quote, 14 months or so, unquote. We think that the danger of actual physical injury was not, as matter of law, plain and obvious up to the time when the plaintiff entered the room on the occasion of the assault. But by the time an emergency had been created, the defendant was breaking up the furniture, and it could have been found that the plaintiff reasonably feared that the defendant would do harm to herself. Something had to be done about it. The plaintiff had assumed the duty of caring for the defendant. We think that a reasonable attempt on her part to perform that duty under the peculiar circumstances brought about by the defendant's own act did not necessarily indicate a voluntary consent to be injured. Consent does not always follow from the intentional incurring of risk. Quote, the degree of danger, the stress of circumstances, the expectations or hopes that others will fully perform the duties resting on them may all have to be considered." Unquote. That wraps up the reasoning portion of this case, and before we get to the holding, let's hear a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode has been brought to you by Illustrated Law. Order your Illustrated Law book today on Amazon for only $15. Unlike traditional law books, Illustrated Law books have illustrations, practice questions with answers, key takeaway summaries, and so much more. It's the simple way to learn law efficiently. There are currently three Illustrated Law books available, and those are Constitutional Law, Torts Concepts, and Criminal Procedure, Investigation, and Justice. I highly recommend heading over to Amazon and checking those books out today. Let's get back to McGee v. Almy and talk about the holding and some key takeaways from the case. It is apparent that the jury could find that the defendant was capable of entertaining and that she did entertain an intent to strike and to injure the plaintiff, and that she acted upon that intent. 
we think this was enough. So, as we see from this case, a defendant can still be held to the same standard, the same law, despite a mental state. So, from the case McGuire v. Almy, we're left with the lasting impression that when an insane person intentionally injures, he is liable. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this podcast to be helpful. And if you did, please consider donating a dollar or two or whatever you can. You can donate by going to illustratedlaw.com. There's a donate button right there on the homepage. And anything you're able to give helps us be able to keep creating more helpful podcasts just like this one. Also, make sure to tell your friends about Audio Law and check out some of our other podcasts. As Audio Law is the law podcast for busy people, I hope this episode helped make your day a little less busy. Mm-hmm.